Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show about razzle-dazzle, razzmatazz, and good old-fashioned showbiz. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I, I hated <laughs> all of that. I hated that so much. I hated the way you said it. I hated the things you said. And I hated the way your eyes went dead when you did it. Oh, God, that was viscerally upsetting. You're that other host, Dan Ludwig. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Hello. <laughs> I did that. How are, how are you people doing this fine evening? I did that because I hate you. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. That was like a sonic assault on me. That was, I don't think that upset a- anybody else but me. Listen, we've done near it's we've done nearly a hundred episodes. It's harder and harder for me to keep coming up with these. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you would have just re- picked a good one and reused it. Yeah, that's what a good podcast would do, but we're not that. Hey, Dan. Hey, <laughs> what's up, man? So this is part intro and part promotion for my side project. So for the past couple of weeks, Sarah and I have been on Twitch streaming our Lego building, twitch.tv slash bricksmarties. And if you didn't catch last week's, you missed out on something very special. So it's uh, it's the year of the tiger. Chinese New Year, uh, Lunar New Year is is starting for the next couple of weeks or is happening for the next couple of weeks and so we built or we're in the process of building this giant tiger and this is this is an official lego kit like we're following mm-hmm. instructions and everything for this and something was spoiled for me somebody who had already built it gave me a spoiler and did not tell sarah about this so she's gonna grab this here so the thing about this this tiger, we don't have a head on it yet, but here's what we've got so far. Oh, it's a nice tiger. It's pretty dope looking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right now it kind of looks like one of the robots that they're building that are like It does. It looks like one of those Boston Dynamic robot dogs. Yeah. That they're for going sure. to use to like enforce the law soon. So anyway, so you're you're we're building this and we're about two thirds of the way through. And you know what, Dan? You you've actually done a similar intro to this before. You told me about a little squeaky hedgehog before mm-hmm. and uh, and here's here's what i'm just gonna get to the point the tiger has a butthole yeah. there is an officially yeah, sanctioned lego butthole like that was one of the the steps in the instructions there's like instruction 119 insert this it's a pink flower piece actually i keep holding this up to the camera i, I really yeah, wish we yeah, filmed, filmed this on camera it's um, not just a circle it's the they got the shape right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And whoever owned, whoever designed this the tiger, for sure owns a cat. Because yeah. if you ever owned a cat, like you know that that cat has a butthole because mm-hmm. it's shown it to you on numerous occasions. So I knew about this already. Sarah did not, and I told her at the beginning, like, "Hey, there's a surprise that was spoiled for me, but you, I know about it, and some of the people in chat knew about it." And. Maybe I'll play, if I can get the audio ripped, I'll play it here. But So Sarah kept making discusses, like, Sarah kept making cute guesses, like, ooh, is there another cute baby tiger? Or is there, like, something else, like a little panda or whatever? And then we got to the surprise that was a Lego butt. And God bless her, she ran with it. She thought it was hilarious. She thought it was amazing. So that's what you're missing out when you don't watch uh, twitch.tv slash Bricksmarties, I guess. Do you, you know that in, like, the meeting where they were like designing exactly the tiger. exactly somebody went to the fucking mat for the butthole someone some that butthole had to go through so many approvals they it had to go it had to go through risk and compliance <laughs> and legal someone from the legal department had to sign even even if that sounds like a thing they don't have to do they do. Someone, a lawyer, had to look at that little tiger butthole and say, yeah, that's not going to get us in any trouble. Nobody's going to sue us about the tiger butthole. The ages on this is age nine plus. This is for, for children. Again. An email was sent in the head Lego headquarters that was R-E colon tiger butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I want to talk, before we get into today's episode, I want to go back to last week's episode. We were... 
as we usually are, taken to school by our listeners as they want to do. So one of our one of our Patreon subscribers mentioned in the Discord, Arthur Drexel, took us through some like reasoning. If you if you if you recall last episode was about a lot of weird like mountain folklore that Dan and I thought was total bullshit. But Arthur kind of to quote them, put on my magician hat. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess one of our listeners is a magician, because of course. Hell yeah, yeah of, course, of course. Uh, he said that they wanted to put on their magician hat and talk about the folk magic in the episodes. They broke this down to three points. One, this we mentioned that this seems super racist. We said that like it was very voodoo and hoodoo. It seems racist because the structure of the ritual is very similar to voodoo and hoodoo and Romani folk magic. But American folk magic was always already similar to that. Okay, sure. Two, the divorce ritual, which we thought was gibberish, was was drawing heavily on Greek myth. The owl being the symbol for Athena, the moon for Artemis, both virgin goddesses. Okay, whatever. And then the one that made the most sense to me was we laughed at the black horse, or the sorry, the black rider wearing, riding the white horse running from west to east. Mm-hmm. Which is, okay, the black rider symbolizes the groom. White horse symbolizes the bride. Passing from west to east is against the path of the sun and moon, so it's against nature. So that's where you would get the idea that if you see that on your wedding day, your wedding is an abomination before the the eyes of God and nature, I guess. Wait, so this shit was all real? Not real, but like based more in in actual folklore than it could have been. According to Arthur Drexel, they are... Not nearly as bad as the Jinx episode shit for superstitions made up off the top of their head. So, I I think that it's not that they are real superstitions, but it's that they had some basis. Like, they weren't complete bullshit. So, that's a good... You know, I always love having our listeners correct us on stuff. Number one, I just love all of the weird amounts of knowledge that they bring to us from all sorts of realms. I should become a... I should become a magician. Like, fucking Alan Moore did it. Grant Morrison did it. Those guys fucking rule. I mean, I feel like if you become a magician, you have a, a slim chance of... No. Becoming the writer on Hellblazer? Yeah, man. Okay, but you could also be Chris Angel, right? Like, yeah. And also, Alan, well, is be, it... be, being Alan Moore is not a thing I want to aspire to. <laughs> oh, I do. Fuck yeah. I I mean I don't I want to live in rural England smoke bl- smoke blunts the size of table legs and just be cranky about everything. That man's life rules. Ah, I'm going to go do a whole bunch of drugs and worship a snake. All right. Yeah, man. Sounds awesome. Also, we should all aspire to be Chris. I also want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Will. And Will wrote us a really nice letter. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Will writes in to say, I'm a really big fan. The Andy Griffith Show was a big part of my childhood because my parents are boomers and I grew up in Georgia. And I saw every episode before I was like 10. It's absolutely great hearing y'all tear it apart. I did go back to Mount Airy back when I lived in Winston-Salem as a journalist. Looked at some of the stuff there but ended up way more intrigued by the fact that the Siamese twins lived there and they had exhibits about them as well. I guess you can't build an entire town about Siamese twins. I, you know, I, that's not without getting really macabre really fast. That's at best a window display at a Ripley's, believe it or not. The Andy Griffith show culture is very much alive and well in that part of the state. There's even a chain of restaurants named Aunt Bee's Barbecue. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which is nothing to write home about, but then again, same with her. Anyway, just wanted to say thank you for keeping me entertained while I run my mail route. I promise I'm not an asshole to the people I deliver to. Hey, you know what? I do back the blue, and I support the men and women of the U.S. Postal Service. Those are my boys in blue. Right. Yeah. So, keep up keep up the good work for you, Will. Uh, and then some other stuff, so, but... Uh, Aunt B's barbecue is definitely 100% unsanctioned, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, it, that, yeah. that is that cannot be officially recognized. Like... That rule... A great part like of living Popeye's in Like Popeye's chicken. Area, <laughs> a great part of living in this area in proximity to Jersey is how many restaurants and just general businesses you see that are just called, like, Tony Soprano Pizza. Right. Or The Sopranos Pizza. Or the HBO show Sopranos Pizza. Or just, like, just sue us. <laughs> just Paulie's Pizza. Like, P- just based. 
Basically on the basis of, like, listen, they can't cease and desist all of us. Emmy Award winner James Gandolfini's pizza. <laughs> you can't disprove that. And The Gandolfini <clears throat> Estate Pizza. And before anybody corrects me, I know that Popeye's chicken is not named after Popeye the Sailor Man. It is named after Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman's character in The French Connection. I... Listen, our listeners know weird. How do you? Why would you? Why do you know that? I don't know how I know it, but I know that one of our listeners for sure knows it because our listeners know weird shit. And I'm absolutely <laughs> gonna get a message like, actually. So I just want to head that off in the past. Like, I know this I, weird thing as well. Our listeners do that that like nerd thing of like actually, but only with the weirdest information. Yeah, it's I'm so not cool. upset none about them, it. None of them are like actually Thanos first appeared in this comic. They're all like. Actually, here's how that insane thing works. Yeah. So continue to listen to us, listeners, and you scare me. All right, today's episode. <laughs> we fear you. We, we live in fear of you. Today's episode is uh, season four, episode 26. A Deal is a Deal. Originally airs April 6, 1964, directed by Jeffrey Hayden and written by Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick. Have we seen them ever before? Oh, they're all starting to blend together at okay, this point. Okay, we've, we've seen them one time before. They did the Shoplifter episode. So, really, uh, really, uh, really limited in one. scope, Bill and Sam. You're pretty, pretty limited in scope. Here's your... They just want to write about poor crime-fighting techniques. Here's your two-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Opie and his friends get involved in a deal to sell salve door-to-door. Barney and Gomer pose as a veterinarian, and Opie's father... To get the distributors to buy back the salve back from the boys. Oh my god, this this fucking episode means I have to say salve, salve, S-A-L-V-E, one of the hardest to say words in the English language, and I have to say it a hundred goddamn times in this audio medium. Great. Thank you. We can you. do this. We Thank can... you, Andy Griffith Show. Salve? 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 salve. It's going to lose all meaning. Salve. salve. Sal, 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 salvia. You got to say the L so fast. Salvia. Yeah. Yeah. They, the kids are going door to door selling salvia. Okay, so this is an episode in where Opie gets involved in an MLM. Yep. Yep. It's the MLM episode. One hundred percent. They might as well be going around saying like selling acai berries. Yeah. It, like it. It feels like like Opie should be posting on Facebook about like. Seaweed wraps that helped him lose weight. Yeah. It works. They, he's going to go around selling Cutco knives. This episode made me realize something. It made me realize that, like, Barney Fife would absolutely be an NFT guy. 100%. Like, it's absolutely a thing that he would be in. So what what happens here is uh, you get these tokens, right? And you have this art, but you get a little receipt that says that you own the thing. But you don't they're, really own the thing. They're they're non fungible tokens. Well, what's what's fungible? Well, you know, you can't fungible them. You can't. They can't be funged. You you try to funge one of these tokens, and it won't happen, Andy. It just won't happen. You can't funge them. Tr- try to funge one of these tokens. Can't be done. Look me in the eye, and you try to funge this. <laughs> you funge this token. Diver, I I I have brought it up, but I had the most evil fucking idea. <laughs> Like, just pure, cool. like, I had the idea, and I it hurt to have it, but it's really, we're t- t- up top, NFTs, bad, stupid, we'll never do them, don't do them, we do not endorse them, but it's hard not to sometimes when you have a thing that you could make NFTs out of. I think I know where be- you're going with this. It's so tempting to do the Breaking Mayberry NFT, because we could just make one. And then, like, a guy that has never listened to the show would buy it for, like, $12,000 just on the, just in case we become the next Chapo Trap House. Just, just, just dudes. In- investing just, in us. Yeah. Just dudes wandering from, like, internet property to internet property going, like, does anyone want to con me real fast? Looking to be conned. Got all this money and want to give for, you know, snake oil. Anybody got any snake oil for me? Wouldn't you, listeners, wouldn't you like to own a Bob Sweeney? You know that time we said Bob Sweeney? You could own that. Or really, you could own a receipt that says you own it. We still own it. tell you that you own that time we said Bob Sweeney. The time we said he was an anthropomorphic bulldog. You could own that time that we said that on the podcast. And... 
it would do nothing. You wouldn't get like royalties on past podcast episodes because that's not how it fucking no, works. No. You wouldn't get paid anytime we say it again because we're never going to fucking say it again. You know what? If, in fact, I'll do it right now. Non-fungible token, Bob Sweeney, there, that. <laughs> you could own that. And by that, I mean you could own an email I sent you that said that you own it. <laughs> and by own it, I mean, just, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> Someone else would be able to easily copy the audio clip. In fact, we would send out the audio clip immediately, immediately. after selling immediately. it to you. Yeah, I'm uploading like, it to archive.org as we speak. Exactly. And there's really nothing you could do about because, it. Because, again, you don't own the audio. You own a receipt saying that you own a receipt for the audio. <laughs> oh, but you can't fudge it. Oh. Fucking. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. So it's, it's just. It's so dumb. And I wish I wish we were slightly shittier people, Dan. We, oh, God, we could I be. Know. We could cash out right now on that idea. It's it's so like everybody's really mad at celebrities for like doing the whole NFT thing. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, but it's got to be so tempting. You can just be like, hello, I'm Morgan Freeman. Here's an NFT of my face. And somebody be like, I'll give you $20,000 for that right now. Except that what's happening now is uh, some celebrities are becoming NFTs and they don't want to. I saw that like yeah. Pat Nozzle was pissed off this morning because like someone was made an M NFT out of like an album cover of his. And he was like, I didn't fucking sign off on this. Also, I feel like you should probably just put Pat Oswalt on the bingo card at this point. I feel like we bring him up at least every three episodes. Yeah, because he's the shit. He's kind of the patron saint of our of our thing. Do you think we could get Pat Oswalt on the show? There's our, our guest. There's our top guest. He did do Chapo. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this episode. So it starts off with Opie goes to a door of a woman. And there's already another boy there, and they're arguing over who gets to knock on the door and try to sell the salve. Doesn't matter, because as soon as they open it, this woman just slams the door in her face. And we discover that all the boys in town are carrying around these same big crates of Miracle Salve, because they've all gotten tricked into selling them. And they're trying to sell the most, because then they're going to get a pony or some kind of prize or some dumb shit. Yeah, the prize is a fucking pony. Which, okay, so what follows is a scene that I could only describe as a feral swarm of sales boys. Right. Like, just just boys running from door to door with crates, attacking people. And, like, like grown women running into their homes lest they be beset upon by these, like, little prepubescent, little Willy Lomans. I think it's so great that it's, like, Miracle Salve, too. Like, it's a fake medical treatment. It's basically, like, Zootropics. Or gorilla it, brain formula. Because that's what it always is. That's what it always has been for 200 fucking years. It's always some sort of fucking ointment. Which I really appreciate. It's the worst thing for a small boy to sell. Absolutely. Like, a bo if, like if you'd done Cutco with these little fuckers and told them to sell knives, fucking... A 10-year-old could sell me a knife in a second. 10-year-olds, I, I, I think, are the foremost authority on knives, right? Yeah, if a, if a child comes up to me and says, this is a really good knife, it can cut through anything, I'd be like, well, you're a little force of pure destruction, so you probably tested this out on basically every cuttable object within a five-mile radius. But some prepubescent so asshole is going to come up and tell me that this is going to like get rid of my crow's feet? You don't know what the fuck that is, kid. Get lost. You don't have a fucking Adam's apple. You've never had fucking eczema, child. You don't know what the goddamn hell you're talking about. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. Life hasn't hit you yet. You don't know what any of this is. So that's basically the intro to this is Opie keeps trying and failing to sell this salve to everyone. He goes to his dad. He's like, hey, dad. And his dad's like, fucking no. I already <laughs> bought fuck off. I already bought three of these. Hey, Barney. No. <laughs> I... I love how they just kind of open in media res on this, where they're like, they don't even bother with the thing of like OPC and like, oh boy, a pony. I'm going to get a bunch of salve. And Andy going like, don't you do that. No, they, they, uh, they knew that it was safe to open in the middle because we all recognize this immediately. In 1964, yeah. you recognize this immediately. Yeah, that you just kind of know absolutely everything that happened. Uh, they didn't even have to do the thing where he's like, I'm going to sell all this salve, and then people tell him to fuck off. It just opens with him being like, so the entire community is shunning me. So we're we're in the meat of the conflict a little bit. I got this box of creams 
that I can't move. Did you ever get stuck in? Did you ever get roped into one of these when you were a kid? I don't mean we fundraisers. S- like we sold magazine subscriptions for the school, but like I think they kept it very tame. Like there was no expectations. I didn't have a stack of magazines I had to move. I didn't have a quota. It was just like, and it wasn't. They weren't giving away anything particularly cool. It wasn't like you get this bike. They were like, hey, if you sell some magazines, you get a free book. And I'm like. That's cool, I guess. I'll take a book. Yeah, we always had those, like, you know, we had to sell those shitty chocolate bars for the soccer team or whatever. And it always seemed really unfair to the kids that lived way out in the sticks. Because, like, it's pretty impossible to go door-to-door sales when there's no doors for 15 miles or, you know, whatever. So the kids who had other houses near them definitely had the advantage there. And I do remember specifically... There was one time when I almost got roped into one of these. I think I, like, sent away for a catalog or whatever from, like, a Disney Adventures magazine ad. And it was the same thing. It was like, hey, you can sell, I don't know, it's probably, like, candles or some shit. Like, cheap garbage. But, hey, kids, go sell these and earn points and you can get a hoverboard or some stupid shit or whatever like that. Yeah. And I remember, it's a very distinct memory. I got this catalog. I got the, like, kit and everything. And I went to my mom. And I said, hey, mom, can I practice my sales pitch on you? And mom said, okay. And I said, hi, I'm selling these items from the cheap crap catalog. Would you be interested in purchasing a candle or whatever? And I remember my mom looking at me and going, what are you selling this for? Is it a fundraiser? Are you, is this a thing? Or is this for the school? No, this is so that I can earn points for a trip to space camp or whatever. And then my mom just looks me in the eye and goes, no, <laughs> no, thanks. And then walks away from the table. And, just sh- and that was the end of my sales career. I didn't even get out of my practice round. And your relationship to your mother. <laughs> that came later. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give mom that one. She made the right call. She was so cold. Like, yeah. didn't even humor me at all. She had already jumped to the to the front of the line. She gave you a cold taste of reality there. That She saved you a lot of time. I didn't really do any of this shit because I wasn't able to get past instant gratification. I was just like, allowance, goes to Pokemon cards. I've, I'm not doing any steps between those two things. Yeah, I think my, mo- my parents kind of realized that I am way too lazy to do any of this. So yeah. they just let it happen. And let me ignore. So these kids, I, no, you got one? I briefly dated a girl that sold Cutco knives. It was like during college, you know, that point where like you're fucking desperate for a job, yeah, just like yeah. any job that isn't compl- that isn't working at McDonald's. And she was like really excited. She was like, I got this fucking job. I'm selling knives. And I was like, oh, I, I like only half knew all this shit at this point. But I was like, what's the name of it? And she was like, Cutco. And I was like. Oh, that's bad. And I don't remember, don't remember why. why. You don't know, right? Like, But that's a bad job and you shouldn't do it. I don't know if they do genocide or something, but it's bad and you should quit. And she was like, are you telling me to quit my fucking job for a reason you don't remember? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then we stopped dating. <laughs> that pretty much... Like, just put an end to that. And then, like, a year later, I saw a thing about Cutco being a scam. I was like, oh, fuck. That's what it was. Smooth. Good move. Good move. Yeah, just a brief window into my prolific dating history. So, the plot doesn't really kick in until one of the boys tries to send their supply back. It's just like, yeah, fuck this. I give up. Just to be clear, you are describing... 10 minutes into the episode (laughs) like you are jumping way ahead because there is a long period of just like he tries to sell it to barney barney tells him to fuck off barney tries to teach him how to do a sales pitch it doesn't work they argue about stuff there's a lot of arguing and like barney saying you got to do this and andy saying don't do that and opie going like ah fuck both of you there is there, there is one bit in here i really like where Barney remembers when Andy and Barney were kids, they used to sell, they used to do the same thing. They sold bags of flower seeds door to door. And mm-hmm. it was one of those great moments where like, like he brought this up just so that, that he could do this. 
Because after Opie leaves, he goes, you know, I was moving some stuff around the other day, and I found I still got five bags of those flower seeds. Of course, I don't have any use for them. But you got a big house with all that gardening space. And Andy's like, no. It's a good <laughs> bit. It's a funny. I laughed at it. Yeah. It's a it's a solid little and, and, uh, Emily and, and and that's I mean I'm jumping way ahead because there's no plot. nothing fucking happens no for plot. so long. It's just it's, bits. It's so backloaded. Like very, they open with a yeah. big ass conflict. Like Opie is stuck in an MLM. He has like all these fucking creams he has to sell, and then the show is just like, well that sucks. Bye. What are you guys doing? You you want to hang out? I got I got a case of diet slice if you want to have a drink. We'll we'll just chill for a little bit and then we'll start the episode in a minute. <laughs> Where are you guys from? So then like it does start the episode when a kid tries to send back the sav and gets a letter back saying they've been blacklisted. And if there's anyone who knows about blacklisting, it's the Andy Griffith show writing room. I really thought we were going to get a communism joke out of this. I was so sure that there was going to be a red scare bit as a result of this. Cause they have a bunch of kids run up to Barney and go like, Hey Barney, what's blacklisting? And I thought he was just going to go commies, <laughs> but no, he just gives it the no dictionary definition of blacklisting. Uh, Barney, tries to write a threatening letter back in response pretending to be an attorney before all of this happens the kids run in and they're like we have to find out what blacklisting is let's go to the police station and then they like scamper off and barney is passed out and the kids are like cops go to sleep on the job and opie's like no 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 no, don't worry he's he's ready to wake up at a moment's notice and then he like makes a bunch of noise and like throws a bucket and it's like, he's going to wake up any second now. And then Barney eventually wakes up and pretends to have been working. Um, and the kids just look on at this with their respect for authority shrinking every second. <laughs> like, I was just waiting for them, one, for and Opie to just go like, hey, Trevor, where are you going? And Trevor's like, I'm going to go on a quick crime rampage because law doesn't exist in this town. I'm just going to go loot real fast this the damage has been done i'm out this is where barney starts the like confusing metaphors that he like runs with through the entire episode which is like you gotta fight fire with fire and the kids and andy both say you fight fire with a hose no you gotta fight it with fire later on he's like oh these people are foxes there's this moment here where after andy figures out what's going on and just says Oh, don't worry about this, kids. They're just trying to intimidate you to make you sell more stuff. Don't worry about it. It's just bullshit. To prevent all the rest of you from sending your box. Exactly, yeah. he's trying Because unlike a modern MLM, you can opt out, send your shit back, and get your money back. That's true. And then Barney says, man, I can't believe the nerve of these crooks. And Andy says, well, they're not really crooks. They're foxes. They're shifty movers. And I kind of sat there going, no, Andy, these are crooks. Yeah. These are crooks and they're using your child. You should care about this a little. Okay, let's yeah, let's take a detour to talk about how the fuck this happened because Andy gives goes out of his way to say, "I told you this was a bad idea and you were getting conned. I told you you were going to pay for this and you weren't going to be able to sell it and now you're fucked." And Andy just kind of like tells Barney like, "Oh, he learned the value of work or dollar. He's learning how hard it is to make a dollar." No. Opie's learning how easy it is to lose a dollar. Opie is learning how getting conned feels. Like, where the fuck were you during all of it? Like, Opie came and be like, hey, I would like to participate in a pyramid scheme. And Andy went like, well, I think that's a bad idea. And Opie's like, well, I'm a fucking kid and I don't understand anything about anything. So I'm going to do this. And Andy's like, ah. Well, you've taken my words under advisement and chosen to disregard them. That's, I don't think I have anything else in my book. I don't think I can do anything. Like, your kid is getting actively conned by adult criminals. And you're just like, <laughs> I will. told you, bro. I will say, though, as far as, like, kids gotta learn the fucking hard way things go, this isn't a bad one. Like, I, I would, would I let my own kid get conned like this? You know, I can't say definitively that I wouldn't. 
He, like, if, 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 if all this kid is getting conned for is his own allowance money, I'll just watch it and let it go. Like, yeah, you you stupid little idiot. So He reacts to his child participating in an MLM the same way I would react if you thought you could pull off jean shorts. <laughs> like, just that kind of like, told you it was a bad idea, man, but let's just see what happens. Exactly, right? And, and honestly, as long as they're playing with their own money and not, you know, breaking into your safe or whatever to get a to get to get a hit <laughs> of that salve they've become a pox on the community people are living under a reign of terror as this swarm of boys rampage down the street trying to dive tackle people to make them buy salve i'd let my stupid idiot kid do it <laughs> <laughs> i mean on the basis of it's funny exactly <laughs> exactly i feel feel like you don't get a whole lot of joys as a parent past a certain age so you gotta just enjoy it. Like I would enjoy watching my kid eat shit in the, yeah. in these very very low stakes. Like that is really the only feasible explanation. Is Opie goes outside and Andy's like, "Man, let's watch him through the window. He's gonna go to try to sell one to that farmer across the street." Oh, he's doing it. He's doing it. Oh, strikes out. Fuck yeah. But I would never say these guys aren't crooks. I would never. Yeah, you do not under any circumstances gotta hand it to him. Yeah. The guy, the guy conning your child, you don't really need to, like, get into word of the law, spirit of the law with these motherfuckers. Like, just call him a fucking crook. Also, remember con man Andy? Remember season one Andy that solved every single problem with the old, like, Kansas City shuffle? That's true, yeah. And always had a maneuver, and now he's just this lethargic dipshit. Oh, oh, you know what? You know what? That that puts a different spin on the line because when Andy's like, "Well, I wouldn't call them crooks," it's like a matter of disrespect. Uh-oh. He's like, "These aren't crooks; these are assholes. These aren't real crooks. These aren't boys. These aren't yeah. These aren't my kind." The or or maybe it's along the lines of like, "Hey, we're not crooks. I mean, they're not crooks. Yeah, like yeah. it's an art. We're we're confidence men. We're not crooks. As a matter of fact, a con like this episode does have a giant con, and Andy is not involved at all. He goes out of his way to say, "I don't want any part of this." This old fucking sellout. That was the one good thing about him for all those seasons. Was like he solved all of his problems with like an elaborate con. They were stupid. They were consistently terrible ideas <laughs> that inexplicably worked out due to the hand of God interfering. But at least he tried. And now like he has two speeds: just lethargically watching as bad things happen, or just lying, just going up and saying like, "Hey, you know that thing that's happening." No, it's not. Well, my work's done. Like <laughs> the first two seasons of this were like dog shit leverage. But you yeah. know Leverage is a dumb show that I love, and even the bad episodes of Leverage are pretty good. Like Yeah. It was it it, it was like leverage that had been snorting paint thinner <laughs> in a paper bag. Like it leverage that had still had lead in the gasoline. Leverage, if you will. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah and now he's just this lethargic old bitch like, i hate eh. him because barney says hey i got an idea let's run a con come on but like, like he's trying to be like come on back in the old days you know yeah let's, let's go let's go for one more ride and andy's like no no so he's like i'm out the game so it, yeah he doesn't, he doesn't even do the like i'm out and then bring him back in or whatever and uh, barney's like all right well fine i'll call my new partner in crime the man-child idiot. <laughs> the guy we've all agreed should live in a little shack behind a gas station because he's a mental invalid. Like Call, Calls him up. All right, Lenny, you want to hear about the rabbits? Come on, buddy. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay, so my notes during everything that follows are, oh my god, is he going to pull this off? Oh my god, he's pulling this off. Oh my god, he pulled it off! Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, Barney and Gomer do the con, and this is a smart Gomer episode, I guess. Right? Yeah. Again, Gomer's mental faculties vary with every episode. I, I would say, relatively smart Barney episode. For sure. Because this is, honestly, a pretty good idea. In terms of the relative to the Andy fucking Griffith show. As far as Andy Griffith show cons go, this is not a bad one. Like, it's pretty clever. No. And, and they, they managed to pull it off. 
Barney and Gomer go to the office of the people selling the salve to the kids. They go to the head miracle salve office, pretending to be Opie Taylor Sr. And that was where they like they made the mistake with using a real kid's name. Opie Taylor Sr. And Ar- Barney plays a veterinarian. And he does so by doing a weird Kermit Jordan Peterson voice. It's awesome. It's very funny. And they claim that they want to buy a bunch of the salve because they've actually found a good use for it. But the the boy, uh, they claim that Opie was experimenting with the salve, which sounds like he was using it to jerk Absolutely. off. Yep, Especially yep. the way they put uh, it, which is, you know, like boys do. Yeah, horrible, just terrible. And he was rubbing it on the dog, which again, still <laughs> sounds like he was using it to jerk uh-huh, off. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know how your how your son will just rub strange goos on your dog? How that happens all the time, and you allow and it. I did nothing to stop it. I'm a good parent. Yeah, I I watched while drinking, presumably. Staring um, off at a little distance and thinking about the war. Yep, yep. Thinking about Korea. And then we discovered that it cured the dog's mange, which, good job letting your son rub your mangy dog. Um, and they discovered that it cured the mange. So then, you know, as you do, they took it to the local veterinarian, who then proceeded to rub it on a shitload of dogs and cured all of their mange. It's a great dumb story. So, and and they buy it. Like, yeah, the crooks buy it. They're like, really? This sells. So really, this this works for, for mange. And Barney, pretending to be a veterinarian, says, yeah, it works. It works so much better than our other products. I would like to buy a bunch of this and sell it to other veterinarians. Yeah, he's like, I would like to buy your entire supply. Can you get your hands on any more? Uh, and they're like, yeah, we can buy it back from all those kids that we sold it to. And then the, and then they leave. They pull off the, and then they leave. There's also a funny bit there where uh, Gomer keeps changing his voice because he heard Barney disguise his. And solid. Yeah, yeah. solid. Jim Neighbors is doing some fun work. Of course, Jim Neighbors. You know, classically trained opera singer can do a whole lot with his voice. And then they walk out of the, the office and Barney goes, those suckers, they're going to buy all that back. And then they're going to try to sell it to they're going to try to sell it to the veterinarians themselves. Mm hmm. OK. OK, Barney. So it's a great. It's con. a good con. It's a, well, that's a great con for this show. It's a it's a great con for any other show. Eh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a C plus on the Dick Van Dyke show, but on this show, oh my god, it's like an all timer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was like you, I sat there going, oh shit, oh shit, good move, hell yeah. I was like, Barney gets a win, Barney gets a W. There, there's no qualifier on this. It's not a win for Barney. Barney did an Andy. Holy shit! So of course it doesn't work that way. They buy back all the salves from the boy, give them a dollar for their trouble, and Fox. Barney's like taking a fucking victory lap uh, and just like, I'm the hottest shit. Let me tell you guys about what I did. And then Aunt B calls the police station, freaking the fuck out and not like, Andy, you better get down here. She's like, Andy, get the fuck to the house. Get over here. We are in such deep shit. Like, the fucking FBI is raiding the building. Like, literal human distress. And they, like, rush over for the big reveal that the guys just had it delivered to their house because they gave them, basically gave them their address. They They already had Opie Taylor Jr.'s address. They already had Opie's address. They're like, okay, just send it to Opie Taylor's house. Which, and then they said, we're going to bill you in like five days. Yeah. And so now they're on the hook for all of this. Honestly, what should have happened here is just like, well, there is no Opie Taylor Sr. So good luck billing someone, motherfucker. Yep. The, yeah. yeah. Andy calls the phone and says, I am Andy Taylor. There is no Opie Taylor Sr. I did not order these creams. I do not know what the fuck you're talking about. Come pick them up. Click over. Done. Yeah. yeah. They didn't get a fucking contract. They Nobody signed anything. This is, again, the con should have worked because they should have just gone like, that person doesn't exist. You you made this agreement with a fictitious human being. Who told you to do this? Did you get anything in writing? Did you look at did any ID? Picture? Like, yeah. Did you recognize this did, man again? No? Yeah. Do you have a written contract? Come get your fucking crates. I, You're not getting a cent. And by the Bing, bang, boom, con completed. And whatever you do, don't stop at the filling station on the way out. <laughs> yeah, Do not stop at but, the gas station. 
Come pick up the crates and ask no questions and do not spend any time in town whatsoever because somebody will talk to you about what a grade A dipshit Barney Fife yeah, is. Just come pick this up, full tank of gas, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, basically, the con does it work. It does work. It just doesn't work because Andy is like, nope, not participating even a little bit, not helping, not doing it, just... I'm the wet blanket of the fucking show now. The show's named after me, and I'm such a lame dick. Yeah. I I grind the show to a screeching halt and fucking limp noodle. Yeah. Just I I just rain on the fucking parade. In fact, I'm just gonna say it. Barney rules in this episode. In this episode, he's doing shit. He's like, Andy is like, well, my son is fucked and that's fine. And I don't really care. I'm going to go back to doing whatever the fuck I was doing. And I'm leaving the episode and Barney's like, I'm going to do forward momentum for the story. For pretty much altruistic reasons. I'm trying to help several children. Right, yeah, Barney doesn't have a dog in this fight, to be clear. Barney has no, no kids. Yeah, he tries to impersonate a lawyer for them. He does a low-key felony for these kids. <laughs> And and so it finally ends with Barney assembling a group of children and trying to get the kids to sell the salve for him, uh, saying that there's not going to be any intimidation, there's not going to be any high pressure, you just go out there and sell as much salve as you can, and the kids just leave. He does explicitly say that there will be a pony. He says that if you do it, I will get you a goddamn pony. So he does add, he does cap it with a lie. Um... And then you're probably wondering, well, how does the old Andy Griffith gang get out of this one? They don't. And I'm curious about that, too. <laughs> I am uh, I am wondering how they got out of this one. Because this just, it just ends with everybody being fucked. Like, it's an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Just, like, abrupt cutoff. Magic of television, we just assume that we'll be back to status quo next week. Like, this is literally, this Brianna asked like right after it was over, it's like, so is this a two-parter? And I was like, feels like it should be. (laughs) Definitely feel like we started at the climax. Really wish you hadn't wasted 10 fucking minutes dicking around doing moderate, like lukewarm wordplay about foxes and fires. Yeah, it's over. It's over. It's not even a stinger. it, it, It ends. It just it just ends with Barney going like, "Wow, I'm really fucked," and Andy going, "Yeah, I guess I'm not really." God, What's going God, on? I wish that I was a writer for the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> you could just do. You, I'm sorry. Do you wish you had a job where you could write two thirds of a script and then go the fuck home? <laughs> is that is that a yeah, job you wish yeah, you could I, have? I, I really wish that like I could have a 66 percent like hit rate at best. And no one would have a problem with it. A fucking intern came up and was like, sir, sir, I wrote like five pages of the 10 page script you wanted. And the guy, writer was just like, oh, shit, I was supposed to write the rest of that. Well, I'm sure this is good. We'll pad it with some bullshit. Opie will not understand how something works. And Andy will take a really long time explaining it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll just tell help. everybody to talk a little bit slower. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good. We'll, how, we'll how, just have some dead How's air. Howard feeling? Can he talk about soda yet? I, I don't know. I'm so tired. I don't care anymore. Fucking let's just let's just crank this piece of shit out. And that's so, it. <laughs> Ratings. <laughs> okay. So again, it's two thirds of a really good episode. Honestly, the, honestly, the the like lack of ending doesn't bother me that much like it's kind of (laughs) hilarious just how it ends how brutally it ends that's just that's tv works that way sometimes like tv just has the magic of cutting away and ignoring problems i that's whatever If, if i fault this for it i have to fault basically all of television it's it's only weird because it's the Andy Griffith show where literally everything gets That's a resolution. That's true. That's true. That's the weird thing about it is like, yeah, no, I, again, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the, the, all great 
modern comedies Simpsons, usually end with mo- yeah, no yeah. no episode of Always Sunny has a resolution or Seinfeld like zero episodes of Seinfeld have resolutions you know you know honestly if you had just put the curb your enthusiasm music at the end of this yeah. episode I'd be like yeah this is fine the best comedies end with everything being fucked and everybody's super screwed and then you just don't worry about the boring part of fixing it that's the best yeah. but it's just crazy for this show because like they didn't even do the hand waving thing where like like the anti like the the normal thing the show would do is they be like, Hello, I'm Mr. Jonathan. My skin is completely fucked up and I need so much salve, and I will buy any you have. Does anyone have thirty-two boxes of creams that I can put on my dry, dry skin? And then they go, Oh boy, glad we got out of that one. Or like, like or like It'll be fixed in the commercial break. They'll go to commercial and they'll come back and Andy will be like, boy, it sure is great that those boys at the oil refinery found out that that salve works great for greasing up their engines. Or, boy, we sure are looking that that bear attacked somebody resolving the situation. <laughs> we're, we're sure lucky that that mountain lion came down from the mountains and killed those two guys. What's, guess, what you gonna do? Neat. Well, that's the Andy Griffith show. (laughs) 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 Fucking, they don't even do that. They just end like a normal good show and it's (laughs) It's so off-putting. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. But I'm not going to dock him points for it. Like, as far as the Andy meter goes, like, I might even give them extra points for ending like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. As as far as an Andy meter goes, I liked this episode. I might put it at like a seven, eight. Yeah. Book it, it's, I'll put it as 7-2. We talked ourselves into it. I mean, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to give it a 6. Because there's 10 minutes where nothing fucking happens. Where they just kind of stand around like it's a middle school dance and the boys haven't worked up the courage to talk to the girls yet. Like, Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm, I'm going to yeah. keep it at a 7. And, like, there's nothing, like upsetting about this really on the barney it's it it does not affect the barney meter score but i do love how barney basically commits low-key identity theft on andy (laughs) and andy's just like oh man like like basically like like just stole his social security did the 1950s equivalent of stealing someone's social security number just go and just say you're someone's dad and no one would pay would care like yeah no like you could it in the I, I, this is supposed to take place in the 60s, but it's in you've the all 1930s. heard us in the 19 in the 1930s, 1930, 40, I, I could just go to a bank and say, hello, I'm Martin Schneider. And they'd be like, do you have any proof? And I'd be like this firm handshake. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, all right. How much of his money would you want? I'd be like, oh, let's just play it safe and give me all of it. And then they'd be like, all right, you seem like a real straight shooter. Get on out <laughs> of here. And I'd be like, thanks. Bye, Mr. Schneider. Yeah. Actually, it's Ludwig, and I just walk away. <laughs> yeah, that's just all you had to do. That was the equivalent of stealing someone's credit card number, was just <laughs> just being able to look a man in the eye and lie to them. It's real confidence. <laughs> yeah. It kicks ass. I wish... it. Like, I wish I could time travel to the 1930s where I have the ability to lie worth two shits. And apparently I'd be a living god. So Barney Meter is zero for me. Uh, multi-level marketing scam, but it doesn't really teach anything. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing, zero. Fucking, we, it's been, a, we've, we've been kind of cool on the Barney Meter recently. It's been, been a little, been a little, little tame. Uh, it'll, think, it'll pick up. I feel like it's going to pick it'll, up. Oh, yeah. I, I feel, looking at the upcoming catalog, I think we're going to get real nasty. And that's it? That's it for this episode? Yeah. What if I did it? Let's. We've never done that before. Let okay. me try it. Let okay. me try it. So that's ah. it. So that's it. That's the end of the episode. As always, you can reach us at BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. Marty is at SchneidRemarks on Twitter. I don't have a Twitter because I love myself. You make better life decisions yeah, than you, Marty. You love yourself too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And join our Patreon? Yeah, join our Patreon. We have a kick-ass Patreon. I'm doing a much better job at this than you have Yeah, lately. you're doing okay. Uh, you're doing, uh, on Twitter, we are at... Look at that one. Uh, recently, I was a guest on the on the podcast Paranoia Happy Hour, in which guests come on 
and answer the question, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? And if you've been a... Guess what the story if was. If you've been a long Guess. time listener, you know this one. You know which one I told. You also get to hear a bonus story of me being absolutely cock-blocked in college. And, and yeah. finally getting some resolution for it ten years later. Yeah, if you've ever wanted to hear a podcast host tell her guest that she didn't made the conscious decision not to fuck him do i have the episode for you should we cut that out is that spoiling it yeah (laughs) that was so bizarre to listen to i i don't know what it's like for a person that doesn't know you but for a person who knows you that was so nuts (laughs) just like just she not to spoil it but she just goes like yeah i someone told me not to have sex with you and then i decided not to and you were like good call (laughs) bullet dodged on your behalf so weird i was just happy that like our versions lined up because when she emailed me i was like man i haven't thought about meg in 10 years what was with that was she into me meg was like like that could have happened right and to have her confirm it for me was like yes. It was like it was like it was like Rashomon. If like at the end of Rashomon, all three of the stories were exactly the same, and one guy was like, "Yeah, I got it, nailed it, sweet, <laughs> nailed it." We all high five <laughs> on three. Rashomon. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody dance now! (laughs) It ends on a dance. (laughs) They all get matching t-shirts of them hanging out. If Rashomon ended on a dance party, that's how this would have gone. And from then on out, we were known as the Rashomon Four, the best friends that agree on everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's our best bit of the episode. I have to keep this in, even though it spoils the other podcast. That's the funniest thing you've fucking done. Yeah, apologies to the other podcast. You should listen to it anyway, but our hands are tied now. Uh, Okay. Best best bit of the episode. Everybody who, like, tunes out when we start, like, talking about where to find us are assholes. Like, you miss out on such good stuff. This is like when you leave the end of a concert early to beat the traffic and then Darley Parton comes on and then you never forgive yourself for it. <laughs> all right. So thanks for listening. Join our Patreon. We'll see you all down We're... at the fishing hole. Oh. <laughs>